Hello, I'm Dr. Scott Wadier. And I'm Tommy Welling, and you're listening to the Fasting for Life podcast. This podcast is about using fasting as a tool to regain your health, achieve ultimate wellness, and live the life you truly deserve. Each episode is a short conversation on a single topic with immediate actionable steps. We cover everything from fat loss and health and wellness to the science of lifestyle design. We started Fasting for Life because of how fasting has transformed our lives, and we hope to share the tools that we have learned along the way. Everyone, welcome to the Fasting for Life podcast. My name is Dr. Scott Wadier, and I'm here as always with my good friend and colleague Tommy Welling. Happy New Year to you, sir! And good afternoon. Changing the introduction, the awe on your face was like, "What? I do, man. Happy What's New Year!" Say, yeah, Happy New Year. I'm doing great. How are you? Doing fantastic. Everybody listening in, welcome to 2024 and the Fasting for Life podcast. We have so many incredible things in store and in the works for you and for us and for programs and this podcast coming up this year that we are just incredibly excited to start rolling that stuff out as we hit the ground running coming off of a very successful challenge with just incredible results out of the middle of the holiday season. Oh yeah, so good. So much positive feedback. I just wanna give everybody a shout out that's been doing the work. So if you're a new listener, welcome in. If you're an OG, you've been part of the Fasting for Life family or the Fasting for Life lifestyle for a while now, no matter where you are, beginner to expert, beginning of your journey, you're rocking the maintenance fasting lifestyle. Kudos to you for sticking with it. You know, it doesn't have to be yeah. perfect, but you're showing up. If you're listening, we just want to give you a shout out saying that this year can be the year that the big boulders move, that things fall into place, that you can get and start the year at a different place than you started previous years. And we can just continue to run this fasting for life lifestyle or this fasting for life race together. So if you're new, you want to learn more about Tommy and I, head back. Episode one, give it a listen. Tells us the story of fasting and how it transformed our lives. OGs, thanks for, for showing up again. Typically January, yeah. we see a massive influx of new listeners. So just grateful for each and every one of those subscribes, rates, reviews, downloads, all the stuff that tells the podcast gods and goddesses that we are doing something of value yes. and we are going to continue to fight the obesity and blood sugar epidemic that we have here in the States and across the world one episode at a time, Tommy. So as we hop into the new year, new energy, guess what? We're going to go back to the fasting foundations and talk about some basics with some new research though. But before we do that, we want to give a shout out to one of the our most favorite kind of reviews, a five-star review that we just got recently. Yeah, absolutely. Love these. And uh, Ed in Jacksonville, Florida, five stars said, wonderful podcast. Scott and Tommy, you do an excellent job with this topic. There's so thank many you, podcasts. Yeah, thank you. There are so many podcasts on fasting. This is by far the best. Thank you. These guys clearly put in the work to ensure they deliver a clear and concise product. Much appreciated. Ed also goes on to say that he travels long haul for work, recently made a long trip and did that a little bit differently this time, just water, black coffee, a few LMNT packets and until I got to the hotel and had a nice dinner. And this worked extremely well, less jet lag, no intestinal issues, mental clarity, and just feeling different. So congrats, Ed. That's awesome. Glad you're finding things to make your fasting lifestyle stick even when you're doing those long travel bouts. So keep up the good work and thank you again for the review. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well done. Long hauler, right? I mean, that's right. 
My complexity on a day-to-day basis does not equal yours, sir. So right. good job. <laughs> Shout out to LMNT as well. You can head to the show notes if you want to get a free sample pack with any order that you place. He mentioned LMNT's elements is what normal people call them, but I always have to <laughs> explain what they are. So I've gotten into the bad habit of selling LMNT. They're elements. Right. They're incredible. Yeah. They're part of my routine as well. Yep. All right, Tommy, let's get into today's episode about fasting foundations and things that we can do. We want to really focus on setting this year off with intentionality, right? So last week, we talked about the statistics, like a little mini state of the union when it comes to blood sugar and you know diabetes and the massive undiagnosed amount of people that are out there. And we talked about the effect of time-restricted eating. So ultimately, you know, with brass tack, you know, just breaking it down is we're talking about fasting, right? Sure. And what that does in terms of weight loss and getting that weight off and what that looks like. So this article that we're going to be talking about today is an older article, but it came up recently because we were having a lot of questions about exercise inside of our coaching group and inside of the last couple of challenges. So this article is really great and it's in the Journal of Diabetes Care, and it's three 15-minute bouts of moderate post-meal walking significantly improves 24-hour glycemic control in older people at risk for impaired glucose tolerance. The one thing that I love about this conversation that we're going to have today is we've had multiple conversations about exercise and walking Mm -hmm. and how to adopt the fasting lifestyle, and we've done it most recently. We've talked about walking in relation to healthy individuals. What I love about this study is that this this data that comes out of this is in the demographic that needs it the most, that are the ones that are at the highest risk or do already have those elevated blood sugar numbers, right? But they're not on blood sugar lowering medications, right? So this is a undiagnosed, we talked about last episode, the approximately 80 million Americans that are undiagnosed pre-diabetics. This is a look beneath the hood, right? This is a, hey, what's moving the needle that I don't necessarily see on my six-month blood work or on my, you know, my day-to-day, how I'm kind of feeling. We want to really tap into that 1% better, that law of compounding, the magic of tiny habits, right? Because with fasting, a lot of folks can't just come to fasting and just, you know, not eat for three days, right? Like that's not sustainable. We want to begin with the end in mind. So I love the conversation today because this is going to be, it's really cool. It affirms what we already knew and what we've talked about, but it's in a category of folks that really need it. So if it works in this group, guess what? It can work in prevention no matter where you are on the spectrum of blood sugar, weight, et cetera. Yeah, I love I love that word right there, prevention. That's exactly what I was thinking about, which is just the fact that knowing what's going on under the hood, knowing that my blood sugar leads to my insulin, which then leads to if I'm in fat storage or fat burning mode. So it's all connected and we can learn from from people who are in that at-risk category. And just the fact that we can understand how to kind of move the important needles before needing to go on insulin and other blood sugar lowering medication, which would be, that would be the goal at that point. But even if you have 10 pounds to lose or 50 pounds to lose, it's also the goal to get the blood sugar under control most of the time so that I can Mm -hmm. then lower insulin levels and spend more time in fat burning mode rather than fat storage mode. So this is helpful no matter who you are and no matter where you are on that spectrum. I like this because I haven't seen any other studies that broke down post-meal walking and like actually looking at 
when and how to break that down for the most efficient use of your time and for the benefits of what's actually going on with your blood sugar, like how to optimize that process, which is which is really cool because I don't like to feel like I might be wasting my time because, you know, like you only have so many hours each day, you know, and I don't want to just be walking around for for no particular reason. Or I'd like to know that I'm getting the, the biggest bang for my buck, you know, the biggest ROI, biggest return on that that time that I'm spending. Kind of reminds me of fasting, right? You're getting the biggest mm-hmm. bang for your buck. You're getting all the physiological right. benefits. You're in a deficit. You're balancing out those hunger cues, right? So the importance of the blood sugar control is that, you know, if we can get that area under the curve, right? So your blood sugar spikes, just think of like a bell curve. If you shade it in that area under that curve, that's what we call area under the curve where blood sugar mm-hmm. is elevated, which then means insulin will be elevated, which then means you can't tap into the fat burning. That leads to bouts of fatigue and hunger and craving cycles. And we've done episodes recently on, you know, hunger hormones and fasting with ADF, et cetera. So what I love about this is that this is doable for anybody because of the population it was tested in, meaning when you think about losing weight or getting healthy, right? Especially this time of year, new year, new you resolutions, right? Let's go (laughs) eat less, move more is still pretty rampant right? Calories in, calories out, still pretty rampant, right? Well, get tracking and get working. So, all right, well, I guess I got to work out five days a week. I guess I got to, you know, get on that cardio machine again and burn those Mm -hmm. calories, right? Join a gym. Yeah. Join a gym. Oh gosh. Gyms make most of their money this in the first quarter of the year, right? The most signups and then they're a ghost town by February. So, well, most of the new folks, I should say. So what I love about this is that we're going to be looking at the most bang for your buck, right? So I'm just going to start by saying this. I really don't enjoy taking walks. My wife and I are different. Like one of the things that she would love to do, and which means we'll be doing it soon, is taking nightly walks with the family. So we've got three kids under seven. So the idea of me going on a walk right now is I'm carrying some riding device I've got one kid in one arm, another kid that like skinned a knee and a third one that's off, you know, chasing a dog down the green area. Right. And I'm like, no, this is not fun. Right. So now that our little one is getting older, I can actually envision that this is going to become a real thing Mm -hmm. because my wife loves walks. I'm not a big walker. Right. I'm more of like a let me go lift some weights and no pain, no gain for the biggest bang for my buck. Right. The reality that didn't really move the needle. So when we look at this walking when we're looking at this group or the, the study, they were looking at the difference between one large 45-minute bout of sustained walking mm-hmm. versus at different times a day versus three post-meal 15-minute bouts of walking. Okay. So I like to call this chunking. So if you said to me, hey, go take a 15-minute walk versus, hey, go walk for an hour, me getting up to go and walk, and I'm not saying it's difficult, but I just don't enjoy it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like, I've learned to enjoy it. I'll put in a podcast, I'll be in my thoughts, I'll listen to music, mm-hmm. things that boost dopamine, and sunlight. I'm going to look forward to. Yeah. It's not like a version of self-care for me. I do it with a very specific outcome. It's Yeah. It's like, yeah. okay, I know this is good for me, right? So breaking it up into smaller bouts for me makes it more digestible and... If you are in a higher BMI category and you have joint pain, or if you do get out of breath easily, then 15 minutes, like most of us can do 15 minutes, right? Yeah, for sure. And the cool thing is here that I would like to extrapolate the situation from three meals a day. And, you know, that's, that's why they, they chose that for the, for the experimental group. You know, so if you were doing two meals a day, then you could take that, that same 45 minutes and, and split it up over those two meals. 
and maybe on an OMAD day, I could take that that same amount of time and do somewhere between 15 and 45 minutes, you know, after my OMAD meal. But yeah, the cool thing is what I just heard was flexibility, flexibility. Yeah. And just the fact that knowing that that I'm, I'm putting in the time is moving the needle and it is, you know, one of the the easiest ways to get moving. It's kind of what our body was designed to do. Like, you know, walk long distances is something that we can fairly easily do. But it, it does move the needle. It does it does matter as far as what's going on under the hood, blood sugar wise. The other thing that I really liked here was just the fact that they did take that 45 minute bout and put that at two different times during the day as well, during the later morning hours and then the the afternoon hours. And so when we're actually breaking down the data, we'll get to see kind of how specific you can get and how big of a difference there is between those groups, right? Yeah. And what I love about this is this is tapping into this neat category, this non-exercise activity thermogenesis, right? This is the, you know, steps conversation. Get your mm-hmm. steps in, right? Because we know steps. that at a certain amount, it's not 10,000, somewhere between 6,500 and 7,500 decrease in all-cause mortality. So what the study was set up was each protocol, so it was participants completed three randomly ordered exercise protocols spaced four weeks apart. And this was walking. Each protocol comprised a 48-hour stay in a hotel room calorimeter with the first day serving as the control day. The difference between the area under the curve for blood sugar versus the control day versus the protocol days was astounding. It was so crazy how much better it was on the days that they were actually walking. Insane. I was like, wow. So on the second day, the non-control day, participants engaged in either one post-meal walking for 15 minutes, right? That 3X that we mentioned, so for each meal. Mm -hmm. or 45 minutes of sustained walking at 10.30 a.m. or 4.30 p.m. And what I loved about this is all the walking was done on a treadmill at an absolute intensity of three METs. So so I'm like, all right, well, let's define a METs, right? So METs are metabolic equivalents for exercise explained. So when you're thinking about three METs, because I want to connect this to the steps, right? Mm -hmm. We're talking about like a casual game of volleyball. Right. So you hit the ball, somebody hits the ball back, you take a few steps, you swipe, you miss, right? Somebody goes and picks up the ball, you throw it back, you rotate, you serve, maybe you get a couple volleys going. Yeah. Or you're not running around playing, you know, beach volleyball or you're not out there sprinting, right? So soccer is like 10 Mets, right? So it's like 300 to 370 calories burn per 30 minutes, where this 3.0 Mets, is really, you know, like a casual, it's not high intensity is what I'm getting at. Okay. So it's walking, we're probably a 20 minute mile, somewhere around there, just kind of your standard walking. And, you know, all three of the groups were also probably right around 4,500 steps was another thing that I like to kind of equilibrate this with some of our other conversations about the step Because people talk a lot about like steps. That. Yeah, that's a good point, right? So it's yeah. it's about three miles per hour is about 3.5 met. So it's a little less than a 3.0 mile per hour walk, right? So about 4,500 total steps broken up either into 1,500 steps per 15 minute interval or all at once having that 45 minute exercise bout either at the 10.30 a.m. or 4.30 p.m., right? Yeah. So okay. when we're actually looking at the control group versus the exercise group, so regardless of which group you know the participant ended up in, they pretty much found somewhere between a 15 to 30 point difference in their blood sugar throughout the day, depending on if it was an exercise day or a control day, which I, I thought is very, very important because even if we're not necessarily getting to go on that walk every single day, knowing that 
there's a big gap. There's a big difference in what's actually happening under the hood. And that affects what's going on on the scale, how my cravings are, have I been able to stick with my fast recently? And how has my sleep been, which we we know is very, very determinant of our fasting results and what's going on the scale and, and our overall health too. This is a big push for me and for hopefully for everyone listening that like it's important to get moving on any given day, regardless of like what time of day it is or how you kind of break it down. But like just getting moving is really super important. So the biggest takeaway was that to your point, walking in the morning, great. Post-meal walking, great. They both significantly improved that 24-hour glycemic control relative to the day where people didn't move. But the post-meal was significantly more effective than the 45 minutes of sustained morning or afternoon walking. Yeah. So maybe you're already a walker. Maybe you're already getting 7,000 steps a day, right? Mm -hmm. A simple shift, right? Especially to that post-afternoon, evening meal is where we see the greatest effect, which you were just mentioning sleep, which means then we you know, decrease that blood sugar spike before bed. We're less snacky. We're less cravy. We sleep better. We don't bring in all of those types of foods before we go to bed. We have a better circadian rhythm. We got a better night's sleep, which means then our blood sugar control can be even more efficient that following day. Because one of the things yeah. is, is as we age, insulin secretion relative to the increased resistance declines as we get older, right? So anything that we can do to increase the effectiveness of our blood sugar control is something that I want to start, you know, two decades ago. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind in my 60s or my 50s or my 40s or my 30s. Like I should have been doing this a long time ago kind of thing. Like, whoops, didn't know. And that's why I want to give a shout out because what they used in this study was, well, they had everybody in the, in, you know, in the 48 hour calorimeter room measuring everything because they had really cool control. But they also had them wearing a CGM. And I want to give a shout out to NutriSense here, Tommy, because you and I are doing another bout, a consistent bout, because you had said this to me before we recorded this episode and before we you know, ended 2023 and started 2024, you're like, the more I dial it in, the more I want to know, right? Yeah, right. Like, I want to see it. And the this study was, right? Those measurables. On, this yeah. study was really cool to show that, especially in that area under the curve that we had mentioned. So the biggest effect was after that meal in the evening. The interesting thing about the walk was the least of one of the interesting things for me about the least effective time was that midday time. Yeah. That late if, afternoon. If you are in the habit of doing like maybe it's an after work or it's a late afternoon, early evening walk, but that it's like a longer walk, that was actually the least effective one. So not that you should stop doing it, but if you have a way to kind of move those pieces around a little bit, focus on, you know, after a meal, especially going later into the day as our insulin sensitivity goes down later on in, into the day, the more effect that we can get out of our walks, the better. Because if we're able to drop blood sugar by 20 or 30 points going on later in the day, like an after dinner or like an early dinner, or especially if it's going to be a later dinner, if we're able to drop that, that's going to help prevent the overcompensation drop in blood sugar that can happen after that meal, which then leads to Hey, y'all, I wanted to take a second and tell you just an incredible story about an amazing company that we've come across recently. Um, and now they are a sponsor of our show. It's airdoctorpro.com. You can head to the website, use a promo code uh, fasting for life to receive up to $300 off. But most importantly, uh, my little guy, my two-year-old has not slept consistently through the night uh, since he was born. We have tried everything you can imagine. He is our third child. And we're just like, what is happening? So we have gone to great lengths, time, money, and effort to figure out 
um, how we can help him sleep. And uh, the reality is uh, we were pretty much just resigned to the fact that this is how it's going to be until we put the Air Doctor Pro in his room. And I am not joking when I tell you the first night that we put it in his room, he slept through the night. The second night, slept through the night. Now we're up to 35 plus days that he has slept through the night. He has only woken up two times rather than two, three times a night, two times in the last 35 days and counting. And we are just so incredibly grateful. The reality is uh, we had a feeling that it was something that we were missing. And the indoor air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air these days. In some cases, up to 100 times more. We spend 90% of our time indoors and we take 20,000 breaths a day. So what's the solution? An air purifier, a cut above the rest. I'm not going to lie. We have tried others. We've tried other HEPA filters. We've tried other air filters. We have spent the money and they have not done the results that Air Doctor did in literally the first day that we put it in his room. They filter out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants. That includes pollutants such as allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mite, mold spores, and even bacteria and viruses. So I don't know what it was that was keeping them up but it is now gone. So Air Doctor comes with a 30-day Breathe Easy money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com. Use promo code FASTINGFORLIFE to receive up to $300 off air purifiers. An exclusive listener um, offer for you as well. You'll receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. That's exclusive to you, the podcast listener, now hearing this in real time. Lock this special offer by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code fasting for life. You guys know that we are very particular with who we partner with. And if it wasn't for this incredible company and this the incredible results that we've seen, I would not be encouraging you to head to the website and take advantage of the fasting for life promo code. So if you support our sponsors, you are ultimately supporting us. We are grateful for you listening in. And now back to today's episode. To snacky cravings in the evening, which that can be very, very problematic, can make it hard to close an eating window, can even make it hard to actually consistently hit OMAD like one meal a day, because then OMAD becomes like a slippery slope or, you know, an evening time window that can be very difficult to kind of, you know, pull the brakes on. So, you know, just that, just that intentionality that leads to better habits, better decision-making and a little easier time sticking to my fast means tomorrow is going to be easier too. And tonight's sleep is going to be better too. It's going to be more restful, more, more recovery, which means better metabolic flexibility tomorrow. These are all like links in the chain that are helped to lead to better results. Yeah, if we started the conversation today with setting off simple things that we can get behind for this year, not the New Year's resolutions, you know, I'm going to work out six days a week, I'm going to, you know, train, I'm going to remove all the things I love, I'm just going to do long fasts until I hit my goal. Yeah, whatever we fall into that weight try loss, to change everything. Yeah, we just try to blow it all up and start over because yeah. the calendar told us that we should have this newfound motivation because of how we perceive the holiday season went, right? Maybe the mm -hmm. scale is not your friend right now, or maybe you were able to get some massive momentum, which we're hoping for most of you in, you know, start the year off. These are the simple things. These are the tiny habits, right? These are the the 1% better things every day. I just remember being at a CEU event once and listening to a speaker from stage tell a story about this client that lost and regained 75 pounds multiple, multiple times. We're talking mm -hmm. like multiple times. I don't remember if it was five or six times, but he's lost like one year he'll lose it. The next year he'll gain it. One year he'll use it almost for a decade, right? 
And this speaker was talking about, okay, we need to do some rewiring here, right? Foundational habits. We need to rewire and really, really, before we add in a new thing, we need to really make sure that we've rewired the foundation. Because what will happen with habits is people will start stacking their habits. And one of the habits isn't really become a habit yet, right? It's still kind of like the new thing while motivation is high, right? Again, Mm -hmm. January resolution season. But what he had him do, because when this guy did it, he would lose the 75 pounds. He'd commit, he'd lose it, and then it would slowly start to come back. So instead of having him go to the gym and work out right from the get-go, literally for the first 90 days, he had him lay out his gym clothes, change, go to the gym, pre-workout, coffee, whatever it was, drive to the gym, show up, walk into the gym, go to the water fountain, fill his container with water, mm-hmm. drink some water, turn around and walk out and go home. <laughs> but I'm sitting in the, in the CEU going, there's no way. Right. And what it was doing is it was rewiring that dopamine reward system because he was going and, and putting in all this time, effort, and energy but then it wasn't sticking. It wasn't becoming part of his subconscious values. It was just, Mm -hmm. this is what I do to lose the weight, right? Not just, this is something that I do because, right? So I love this idea that we can, instead of, you know, trying to change everything at once, New Year's resolution season, let me push my fasting, let me restrict my food, let me work out harder, let me strive more. I'm not saying don't set goals and don't go walk them out, but This study really shows that by chunking and by breaking it down into simpler, sustainable pieces, and especially I started today saying I don't love walking, Mm. but like it's been really cool to see by sticking with this how much more I enjoy it and how much simpler it is. And I know that I'm getting the most bang for my buck because it literally is shown in the data. Yeah, that's awesome. Prove it to yeah, me, like, Doubting Thomas. Yes. Speaking of showing it to you, like click the link in the show notes so that you can see the visual of what these glucose spikes look like. Because the one that stuck out the most to me is the 6 p.m. meal. And you have this up to 70 point. Oh, I forgot to mention that, right? So right yeah, there, break that right? down a little bit. Okay. So like the, the biggest spike throughout the day is going to be typically the, the post-dinner spike, okay? And, and mm-hmm. all, of these, all of these participants were pretty much following like a standard American diet. It was roughly half carbohydrate, maybe 30% fat, and then the rest protein. So not what we six, recommend. Yeah, right. But it, it, eats, but it even works. We get yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. It works in this group. It can work in the other group too. <laughs> it's not optimal for sure, but it, it is pretty, it is pretty standard, pretty average. So, but after the 6 p.m. meal, the third arrow that's, that's along the X axis there, you can see this roughly a 70 point blood sugar spike, but the highest one is in the group that only walked at 4.30 p.m for 45 minutes every single day. They had the highest spike and about 35 points below that was the group that was walking 15 minutes after each meal three times in a day, which is crazy on the visual. I mean, that's going to be a much bigger difference. That's going to be a huge difference an hour or two later as far as sticking to my fast or do I feel the cravings like kind of sneaking up on me, those later night cravings. So, and then you can add to that, that too, while you're in the show notes, click to get the blueprint to fasting for fat loss, because it's going to help you accelerate this process, get your fasting habits in line with your walking regimen or your exercise regimen, whatever it is that you're focused on right now so that you can, you know, kind of put the pieces in place and get some consistency going into this new year. Yeah, for sure. So the visual is so powerful. And 
what I just heard there, Tommy, as we wrap up was if you are doing the pre-dinner walk, move it to post-dinner. If you're doing the morning walk, break it up and you know do it post your fasting. But yeah. if you're looking for fasting guidance, yeah, we got that too. Head to the show notes, click the link, sure. download the blueprint to fasting for fat loss. It's a free 20-page PDF. It gives you some of the who, what, when, where, and why. It gives you some fasting schedules. And then you combine this, hey, after you eat, go for a walk. Absolutely so simple. So life-changing. This coming from the anti-walking guy, I would rather go pump some iron, torture myself on a Peloton or a Concept 2 rower, skier, some zone 2 training myself to death or lifting weights. But I can say that it's been really cool to see the changes in, you know, just the way I think about it, the way I feel about it. But ultimately, we know under the hood, it's really moving the needle. So as we continue to build on the foundations for 2024, I'm excited We've got a ton of cool stuff planned for this year. Head to the show notes, click the link, download the Blueprint to Fasting for Fat Loss. You can also head to the Facebook community where we consistently break the two rules of fasting, which is don't talk about fasting and don't talk about fasting. Tommy, as always, appreciate the conversation. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye. So you've heard today's episode and you may be wondering, where do I start? Head on over to thefastingforlife.com. And sign up for our newsletter, where you'll receive fasting tips and strategies to maximize results and fit fasting into your day-to-day life. While you're there, download your free Fast Start Guide to get started today. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to leave us a five-star review, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Fasting for Life.